We're going to look in Hebrews 11, and we're going to be in uh, verses 29 to 31. We're looking this morning at faith to overcome, and I'm aware that I've got to overcome a time restraint here. That may be impossible, but we'll see what God does. Um, Through this uh, series, we've been looking at how God... um, uh, how God is calling the, this, this people, uh, the Hebrews, through this letter to uh, keep going and to keep trusting in Jesus. This series we've called Convinced. It's not that we're a people who are just churchgoers, not people who just subscribe to a set of uh, beliefs or a worldview or uh, ideology, but rather that we know that we believe in a God who created heaven and earth and who came down in human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and who uh, lived the perfect life that none of us could live, lived it in our place, and then uh, died a a sinner's death on the cross, and on the cross exchanged his righteousness for our sinfulness, and took the punishment for our sinfulness that we might go free. This is what we are convinced of. This is what the Hebrews were to be convinced of. And the writer to them is saying, look, I know the Christian life is a struggle. I know it's difficult. I know it is hard, but hold on. The reality of battles uh, that came up for them was serious, but he was saying, don't give up. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one the scriptures have always been pointing to. He is the one that creation celebrates. He's the one that history has been waiting for. He's the king of heaven. He is the conqueror of sin and death, the way to the Father. He's your only hope, so don't let go of him. But there's even more. There's even more. And what we're looking at today, Jesus is, is the way to life. He's got things for you to take hold of, to step into. He's got things for you to overcome in his power and in his name. He's put gifts into you. He's put hopes and dreams into his people, the people of God for his glory. And he wants to enable them to take hold of them by faith. By faith, we've got things to take a hold of. Whatever you do now, he's saying, don't give up. And this is what we've been trying to say through this series. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever uh, your experience of following God or maybe not following God, there is a way of holding on to him in faith that can see you through, not just sort of by the skin of your teeth, but reigning in life, overcoming, knowing him to be faithful. That's the point. I know it's hard, but he is faithful. So in uh, these three verses, we have three separate accounts, three different stories, which makes preaching in 25 minutes even more difficult, because I was thinking, can I do three 10-minute little sermonettes? I don't know how it's going to work, but we'll find out. Let's have a look at Hebrews 11, 29 to 31. It says this, By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So let's look at the first. Well, let me pray and then we'll look at it. Father, we just want to thank you for your presence with us. We know that your presence doesn't stop when the singing stops. And we claim that for this. Now we pray that we would hear from you as we look in your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts for what you want to say to us. We pray that we would see Jesus for who he is. We pray you take us on from one degree of glory to the next. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, 
In the first uh, verse, verse 29, by faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. What's the point I'm looking at here? The first point is this. The people of God, by faith, took hold of something through being active. They took hold of something through being active. If you know the story of the Exodus, we heard some of it last week, then you know that the people of God, the Israelites, were, uh, were being oppressed. They were enslaved to the Egyptians for 400 years. And they came to this point where they called out to God, and God moved in extraordinary power and might and signs and wonders. And eventually, the Pharaoh relented and said, okay, go, go, eventually. And the slaves, two, up to two million of them, were let go. And, uh, and then it says this, when the, the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, was told that the people had fled, he suddenly changed his mind. His pride was engaged. His hard heart suddenly uh, took over. And he said, what is this we've done that we've let Israel go from serving us? We had, you know, millions of people. You know, pyramids don't get built on their own. We need these people. What have we done letting them go? And so he pursued them. He got the chariots together and started to pursue the people of God. And the people of God realized we are being pursued by an enemy. They had, they had some uh, distance on them, but they knew they're after us. And God led the people of Israel to the border of the Red Sea. So in front of them, they've got this barrier. And behind them, they've got their pursuer, their enemy. And God protected them with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. But they find themselves encamped with no way forward. They find themselves needing a way where there is no way. They find that they're stuck. And it says they crossed the Red Sea through faith. By faith, they were able to cross the Red Sea. Now, with each case, I want to look at what they were able to do, uh, what they were able to overcome, and how they had to overcome it. So how they overcame, they took hold of something by being active. What did they have to overcome? Well, I think they had to overcome fear. Because, yes, they've got this chat. So I didn't tell you what happened. Uh, but you've probably got the gist. So, so God says to, to um, Moses, put your stick out. I'm going to make a pathway for you. And maybe you've seen one of the movies, the Charlton Heston or the, 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 the DreamWorks cartoon or the, or the Christian Bale one, which I thought was a bit weird. Um, but, but I love the cartoon one. Because actually, the Bible says the water raised up like walls. And that's what you see, this awesome picture in that cartoon. And, and yet, you could, in those movies, what happens is they're like, ah, oh, they're coming, they're coming. And then the water goes up and everyone goes, all right, let's go. As if there was no moment of like, yeah, you first. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like as if that was just a normal thing. Oh, there's a channel, let's go. Like that doesn't happen. Like that's miles I've got to walk through there. I think that the thing they had to overcome by faith, because by faith they didn't hold up the water. God held up the water. By faith they walked through. They had to overcome the fear of, that's not right. What's going on there? That's different. That's, but there is a way that God has made. And so they, fear is a big deal for us, right? Fear is a huge thing in our culture. And faith over fear really is a case of trusting God to the point of, if this doesn't work out, I'm stuffed. It's not faith that's like overcoming fear, like, yeah, I, I believe that. I believe that will work. But no, I've got to step in. 
I've got to go forward. I've got things to take hold of. They took hold by being active. There are many things by faith that we, um, that we can overcome that by fear we would be uh, paralyzed in, that we'd struggle with, that we would step back. Uh, recently, I mean, I, I, I struggle with fear. I struggle with fear of what people might think. I struggle with fear of, am I adequate? Am I able to do that? Uh, the, I've got these responsibilities. I'm a father. I, I'm a husband. I, I'm an elder in a church. I have to speak on stuff. Can I do that? Am I able? It's fear that comes and rips, and sometimes you feel it. And yet there's a the sense of, okay, God, all I've got here is you're faithful. I've got to keep moving forward. And a few weeks ago, with the, with the New Day camp, 7,000 or so young people. And I had a responsibility there, basically, for pastoral care for the whole event. So I, I oversee a team there of about 50 people. And if there's anything that comes up, safeguarding, or anything that comes up where there's a young person that's um, saying, I've got this addiction, or I've got this issue, and I want to I deal with it before God, it comes through our team, and we go, and we minister, and we pass it to them. And I went into the event thinking, I don't know if I can do this. I felt the fear. I, felt, I just felt, this, this, but this, that looks scary. I can see what's ahead of me, but I don't know what's the other side. You remember, you think about the story. We don't know. I mean, we know. We've got Exodus. We, ha- we know what happened. They didn't have that. They didn't say, what's going to happen? Let's just look in scriptures. What's going to happen? No, they, they just see a big channel. And they, maybe they couldn't even see the other side. And yet it's through fear that we say, okay, God, all I can do is trust that you're faithful. It's trust that I can get through here. There's a provision that he's made. There's a way that he has made And there's something that he's saying, I want you to take hold of what I have provided for you. There's many things as Christians. What what has God provided for you that you are yet really to take a hold of? I thought of prayer immediately when I thought of this. Prayer. There was a a time when we were only able to have uh, an audience with God through priests. God's made a way. Through Jesus, where we can come boldly to the throne of grace with confidence. How often do you take hold of that provision? He's provided for you to walk forward, to take a hold of it. Through action. By by being active. And so they were active and they took a hold. I've got a friend who is an elder in in a church. and And before he became an elder, he was living with another guy who's also now an elder of that church. And he said it was interesting in the mornings, he'd walk past this guy's door and, uh, and he would hear him praying in the morning. And he would hear him praying something quite, never, you know, quite unusual. He would hear him saying things like this. Comfort, you are not my God. Fear, you are not my God. Emotions, you are not my God. Satan, you are not my God. And then he would go, Jesus, you are my God. And I thought, that is inspiring. Because this man is taking a hold of what was provided for him, rather than just being static and letting all... You know, you wake up in the morning, you just feel like, oh. I had it the other week. I woke up, I thought, I'm tired, I'm grumpy. And it was like God said to me, Satan's already got your ear. Already. You woke up 10 seconds ago. Already. Now, what am I going to do? I'm gonna, am I going to take a hold? Take a hold by saying, okay, what have you provided for me? Those things are not my God. You are my God. What do you say? What other things has he provided for you? Are you fearful where God has made a way? What gifts have you been given? 
given for your joy and for the building up of others and for the building up of the church and to bring glory to God. He's given gifts. He's given you dreams. He's given you, uh, yeah, things that you're able to walk out and take a hold of, but perhaps you've been sitting on through fear. Perhaps it's leadership. And you know, God's put leadership in you, but you're just terrified. Perhaps it is uh, a love for the word of God. And you think, yeah, I could probably do some sort of Bible study, but I don't, I'm just scared. I just see the walls. I just don't know. Will it come crashing down on me? And there's perhaps a call today. Walk forward. Walk forward. Take a hold. Perhaps God's given you a gift of prophecy. Or perhaps you're an encourager. Or perhaps it's cooking or hospitality or a relationship that you know is open to you for you to care for someone, but you're holding back. You're standing still. You're static. And perhaps God is saying today, take a hold of what I've opened up for you. I've opened up for you for a reason. But, but the most thing that God has opened up for us is that we might know Jesus. That we might know him. And many of us, we think, yeah, I get it. I understand. I've read the Bible. I understand. And, I, and it's like the, 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 the channel is open ahead of us. And yet we haven't started our journey. We haven't started to walk through. And Philippians 3, Paul says this. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has taken hold of you so that you can take hold of what he has provided for you. Maybe some of you, you sit, and we'll talk about this a bit more in a minute, and you get caught up in shame, or you get caught up in guilt, and you think, I can't step forward. You know, I was talking to Sheila, who's a lovely lady in our church, she's a shepherdess, and she said, the sheep, in the sh when she calls me, you know, there's that verse, my, he my sheep know my, hear my voice, and they come. What is that? I can't remember this. But anyway, sheep come. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, she said, it's amazing, every time she calls them, they all come rushing, and then they get about 10 feet away, and they all stop. And that, she said it in a, you know, in a meeting, I thought, it's so helpful, how much is that like us? We, yes, God, yes, God, then we get close, and we think, I'm not sure. God's saying, come, take hold. I've made a way, I've provided for you, come right in. He's faithful, God is faithful, so we see they came through. They came through, what did they come through into? Liberty, freedom. They came through into knowing a new identity. We're not slaves anymore. They knew that their enemy was crushed. They knew that God upheld the walls. God is faithful. Let's move on to the second verse. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. The point here, the people of God by faith were victorious through perfect obedience. Through perfect obedience. This story comes from Joshua 6. And it is this amazing uh, story. Actually, go and read it. Five and six, Joshua, is, is amazing what happens. God had promised that he'd given Jericho into the hands of his people. And uh, Jericho were occupying the land that was given to them. And they barricaded themselves in. They, they, they had this walled city. And they were the mighty people of Jericho. God even called them the mighty men of valor. I've given you the people of Jericho. They are mighty men of valor. But I've given them over to you. And then... 
he says, this is how you're going to defeat them. This is how you're going to find victory. You shall, I think we've got the verse, maybe not. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Yeah, good one. <laughs> you know, you hear that? Yeah, right. Okay. Can we have another idea? Have you got any military heroes here? Because this is weird. March around. What, at what point do we start striking the walls? At what point do we get some ammo? What, what, what do you mean? Mar what, dr blowing trumpets. What do you think they had to overcome? I think they had to overcome doubt by faith. I think they had to overcome inadequacy. You, you seriously think we can do that? I think they probably had to overcome just not understanding. God, I don't get this. Uh, that's probably familiar for many of us. God has called us to particular things in his word. Maybe you know God has put his finger, nailed you on particular things in your life. And the obedience here is a bit like Noah we talked about a few weeks back. The obedience is perfect. They do exactly what was required of them. And this is seven days. And you can imagine, can't you, a few days in thinking... This is, this is embarrassing. We're tooting these little trumpets. There's, there's no, nothing shaking. There's no cracks in any walls. This doesn't work. And it may well be that many of us have thought, I've tried what God's told me to do. Just, it wasn't making any difference. It didn't work. Have you obeyed for two days? Have you obeyed for, obeyed for three, maybe six? And God's saying, seven Come on, keep going, seven. Keep trusting me. This bizarre guidance that came. And this, it was the perfect obedience that caused the walls to fall down. I was thinking of you know, examples. I was thinking actually in my, in my marriage. There was a time when the flavor of my marriage was often one of self-pity and resentment. One of, I don't get what I want here. I'll speak for myself. I'm not loved in the way that I hope to be loved. One night I was stewing in bed. I was feeling neglected. I was thinking, it's not right. I'm not getting what I want. And I was feeling sorry for myself. And I felt God just challenged me so gently and just helped me to realize I'm not being obedient to God here. I'm not loving my wife well. I'm called to love her, not dependent on whether I feel like I'm being loved to a certain level. Not dependent on whether I feel like I'm getting what I want. Not dependent on anything, actually, just because I love Jesus. And so I'm called to obey. He's told me what to do. I love him. I trust him. He's God. I'm not. Okay. And so that night, I dropped my self-pity, and I apologized to my wife, and, I cha and it changed my whole view. And guess what? Walls fell down. Walls fell down. And that is what will happen if we think so many times in my life, God, I didn't want to do that. It was really difficult. And yet when I pushed, when I trusted you, oh, you're faithful. Things changed. Things opened up that were closed. We, we want the power of the Holy Spirit in our meetings. But if we say, God, the I don't know about the time. 
We close things off. So, no, God, you do what you want to do. Walls fall down. I do believe that walls fell down this morning in some of your lives. I believe that through his word being spoken to, walls will fall down. But, but I, I also believe that through perfect obedience. Perfect obedience. Not just, I, I, God, I, I, I like bits and pieces. And we find we're still caught up in issues and just feeling, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not at peace. And yet when we find uh, we follow through, and again, a lovely story from New Day last week that came up, there's that one of the young people uh, halfway through the week, he felt, not from our church, he felt, um, he felt convicted by God. He had a bag of marijuana and he, he brought it to his youth leader and he could have um, just chucked it on the toilet, could have chucked it in a bush somewhere in a bin. He felt God told him, why don't you take it to your youth leader? And... Uh, and he, um, I think he, he was expecting, okay, I'm going to get told to go home. And, uh, and yet the Bible says, uh, if you confess your sins, God's faithful to forgive. And so this young man was told, no, you, you've confessed, you've repented, you, you're staying. So he got to stay for the rest of the week just basking in the forgiveness and the kindness of God. It was, it was a determination. I, wanted, I want to obey. I want to obey and trust that God is faithful. And we see many times in the Bible this, this picture of seven where we see like Naaman in, in, in 2 Kings 5, the commander of the, the king's army. He had leprosy and he was told, go into the water seven times. Seven times. And you can imagine him going in and after two or three times thinking, it doesn't make any difference. This is ridiculous. He, was, he, was, he didn't want to do it. And then people convinced him, come and do it. The prophet of God says to do it. And on the seventh time he comes out and what happened? He's clean. He's cleansed. And there is a perseverance, there is a, a perseverance of faith and a perfect obedience that we're called to that will see results. That we will see God's faithfulness as we trust him. And then there's this, this I think this will be significant for some of you because, because there's this time that Peter says to Jesus, Jesus, how many times should we forgive other people? Is it seven times? He's kind of patting himself on the back, seven times. Jesus says, 70 times seven. Just go on. Go on being a person of forgiveness. You're called to forgive. And I, I wonder if that's significant for some of you today where you think, I know I'm supposed to forgive, but that was too far. That went too far. That, I can't forgive that. And yet you find you're caught up with bitterness. You find you're the one suffering. People say, I've heard it said that unforgiveness is like uh, um, swallowing poison and hoping the other person will die. You're just caught up with, I, I'm not letting go of this because of the injustice. And God says, justice is mine. Justice is mine. You forgive. You're called to forgive. I wonder if some of you here today need to, you need to just be called to forgiveness. And perhaps for some of you, there are particular commands that the Bible gives, and you just can't get your head around why. Why would God ask us that? Why, why would he ask us to do it that way? Or why would he forbid such and such? Why does he? I just don't get my head around it, and so I, I can't obey that. And perhaps today you're realizing oh, that's, 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 that's obedience on my terms. Walls aren't going to fall down like that. Walls are going to stay very much up in my life if I don't trust him enough to say, okay, God, if that's how it works. Or maybe there are things you'll only do if others keep up their end of the bargain. Like I was saying in my marriage, yeah, I... I, I I'll happily love if I'm getting this in return. And God's saying, no, no, I've called you to obey me. Trust me. Let me break the walls down. 
And finally, perhaps on this point, there are particular strongholds, particular encampments of sin in your life, things that you just think, I tried, I've tried to get rid of this thing, I've tried, and I can't seem to do it. And perhaps you've not quite followed through things like resist the devil and he will flee. It's in the word of God. It's his promise to you. Yeah, I tried resisting. Did you, did you keep resisting? Did you keep resisting? Because it's a promise. He will flee. What about confess your sins? He's faithful to forgive. No, I can't confess. Do you know I've got friends who have confessed heinous crimes. I've confessed heinous things. God's faithful. He's faithful to forgive. And he can, he can knock walls down, but he can rebuild. If you're thinking, I can't let him do that because he will not walls down. I don't know if my life will ever get back on track. He can rebuild. He can rebuild. He's the God of resurrection. And finally, maybe it is just that you need to re- re- recognize, I can cast my burdens on him. Maybe a person who struggles with fear or anxiety and think, out of, out of obedience, I need to learn how to cast this onto him. He is faithful. The walls fell down. They got their victory. Let's look thirdly at the third Verse, by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So Rahab was within the walls of Jericho. She was, she was someone who lived in the city. She was a person of Jericho. And yet when the people of God came, two spies came, she hid them. She made sure they were well cared for. And we'll understand that in a second. But let's look at what she, uh, what she over. Uh, how she overcame. So she was saved through courageous humility. She was saved. She was, she was uh, rescued. She was uh, not counted with the disobedient. And, yet, and, and, and so therefore she was able to come through this attack through her courageous humility. This is what she says to the, uh, to the spies. She says this, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. She heard about what had happened at the Red Sea. Faith is by hearing. We talked in the first week, you know being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you don't see. She, didn't, she hadn't seen, but she'd heard. And she believed. And she realized, I'm on the opposite side to the God of heaven. That's serious. That's a big deal. She was humble enough not to say, well, I'll take my chances. Or to say, well, we're a pretty mighty people here. We'll be all right. She realized, no, I'm on the opposite side to the God of heaven and earth. Perhaps there's some of you today who are here and you're not, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. I need to lovingly tell you, if you're not a Christian, you are on the opposite side to the God of heaven. You're in opposition to him. It's not a safe place to be. And yet, what she had to overcome was this disqualification. She was a Gentile. She wasn't from the people of God. She was also a sinner. These things that she had to overcome by faith, she was courageous and humble enough to change her allegiance. She changed her allegiance. She ch- it's, it wasn't by her activity. It was by uh, she changed who was her leader. It wasn't because she was worthy or somehow suddenly qualified. It was just that she realized, I need to get on his side. 
And you could be here as someone who's not yet a Christian, like I just said. And you could be feeling disqualified. Because maybe you know that you've done things and you've thought things and said things which would put you in the category of sinner. Well, that is brilliant. It's not brilliant, obviously, that you're a sinner, but it is awesome that God would help you to recognize that you're a sinner. Rahab shows us that a sinner's hope is not in changing themselves, but changing their allegiance. Perhaps you feel like an outsider here. Perhaps you've not been a churchgoer growing up. You might not understand what you've seen some of today. You might not be familiar with this. You might not have grown up with it. Well, Rahab was not an Israelite. She was an outsider. And yet she was not counted among the disobedient. It says that. She wasn't counted among the disobedient because she'd given her allegiance to the God of Israel. Do you recognize that there is a humility that is necessary? A humility that you need to hold before the God of the heavens above and the earth beneath. She didn't perish with those who were disobedient. Something had removed her from the course of destruction. Something had put her on God's side. What had done that? Are you aware that if you're not a Christian, there is one who can remove you from the course of destruction and put you on God's side? It's not hopeless. You can get on God's side because there is one who can remove you from the course of destruction. There is one who can put you on God's side because there was one who was completely obedient and yet was numbered with the disobedient. Her story is that she was not numbered with the disobedient, even though she was disobedient. That's my story. If you're a believer in here, that's your story. Because there was one who was completely obedient that was numbered with the disobedient. The Bible says Jesus was numbered with the wrongdoers. He took on the sins of wrongdoers so that they could go free. He became sin for us, not so that we could continue standing on the wrong side of the Red Sea. He didn't win the victory for us so that we could stand in fear. Watching maybe other people go through, but saying, but not me. He didn't die for us so that we could flee Jericho, running away from the walled city, remaining terrorized by the things that actually he's given you victory over. He didn't, he didn't win the victory so that we could continue to be terrorized by sin and our flesh and the devil. He became sin for us that we might stand righteous. Like Rahab, we were sinful outsiders who were given salvation and a place with God's people. If you're a Christian in here, humility is not just to think low of yourself. It's to think high of God. So if you beat yourself up all the time, if you're constantly that person who disqualifies yourself, and says, my disqualifications are bigger than Jesus' qualifications, you're not being humble. To be courageously humble is an act of faith. I've felt miserable in recent weeks because, I mean, I've heard another preacher say, he wakes up and it's like the enemy is sitting on his chest. Just wake up with accusations. Just, you're not good. You can't get, I just, and there's a part of me that has to stand and take hold of, that's not true. This is to take hold of the truth. Regardless of how I may feel, regardless of, uh, I have to hold on to what has God said? To be courageously humble is an act of faith. Okay, God, I'm just going to hold on to what you've said. I'm just going to believe that you've said, I am righteous, I'm redeemed. These are your words. I'm standing on what you say. I'm going to come and boldly approach you because of what you've said is possible. Because you've made a way. 
So regardless of how I feel, I'm aware that I was in opposition to God, and yet he has qualified me as an act of grace. He has qualified me. It's not humble to refuse a gift, is it? You give someone a gift and they say, oh. No, no, it's humble to receive it. God's given us a gift, gift of righteousness, gift of grace. Humility would be to say yes and amen and to dance and sing and revel in the good gift of his love. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Are we going to stand in that? Are we going to take hold of that? Are we going to overcome? Because the enemy still wants to remind me of my sin. He wants to convince me that I'm disqualified, that I'm covered in guilt and shame, and I have a response, and you have a response if you are in Christ Jesus. The response is, I was disqualified. I could never qualify myself, but Jesus qualified me. I was covered in shame and guilt, but now I'm covered in the righteousness of Jesus. That's my hope. That's our hope. And Rahab was able to live in this hope. Rahab was able, it said that she, um, they said, when we come again, put this red cord in your window, scarlet cord, so that we'll know which one to leave alone. We'll know which one not to defeat. That sounds very familiar. It's the, 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 uh, the Jewish festival of the Passover where, where God said, put a scarlet blood over your doorstep because the angel of death is coming to judge and yet, if you put the blood of the lamb over your house, you're covered. You're safe. You're in. And Rahab knew this to be her story because that was pointing forward to our Jesus, whose blood was spilled on the cross, that all those who put their trust in him would be covered, their sins atoned for, mercy received, salvation taken hold of, so that when God's justice and judgment is poured out, there is safety and peace for those who are hidden in God's provision of rescue. Jesus Christ. When I became a Christian, I was seven or eight years old. I was actually on holiday in South Africa, and it was just family time, and I was really happy, and it was beautiful where we were. And I honestly think, looking back, I probably just thought, it doesn't get much better. I, I want to be a Christian. Just, this is amazing. I love my family. I love this coat. I just love the landscape. This is just, I want to, I love this God. I didn't, I didn't understand that I was covered by the blood of Jesus that day. But I still was. That was still my story. That was still the truth. I was covered. I was in Christ. I was placed into Christ. I didn't understand it as an eight-year-old. Perhaps you haven't understood it, but you've been placed into Christ. You are safe in the vessel of Jesus. Perhaps the band could come. I've actually done all right. That's fine. Um, and we'll sing a song. But I wanted to read this. I looked on Trevor, Trevor's uh, Facebook account. And the, one of the last things he posted was this uh, quote from Spurgeon. And it says this, If we would at once overcome Satan and have peace with God, it must be by looking unto Jesus. Keep thine eye simply on him. Let his death, his sufferings, his merits, his glories, his intercession be fresh upon thy mind. When thou wakest in the morning, look to him. When thou liest down at night, look to him. Oh, let not thy hopes or fears come between thee and Jesus. Follow hard after him, and he will never fail thee. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are faithful. 
We thank you, you have made a way where there was no way. We thank you that we can follow the Israelites' example and we can walk through the way. We can take hold of the victory. We thank you that we can follow the Israelites as they obeyed you perfectly, just like Jesus did, and saw wolves fall down. We thank you that we can, obey, we can follow like Rahab and say, I'm, I'm putting myself with the people of God. My allegiance is the God of heaven above and the earth below. He is faithful. Lord, I pray as we learn more and more to be people of faith, people who trust you, that you'd help us to find more and more victory, more and more ability to overcome, because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. It might be just while our eyes are closed that one or two of you might have felt, actually, I'm on the opposite side to God. I recognize it. And if there is a God in heaven, that is God of heaven and God of earth, I'm in trouble. I need to get on the right side. He is faithful to forgive those who confess. If you want to respond and say, God, I want to get on the right side. I want your grace that we talked about earlier. I want mercy. I want forgiveness. And I want to be part of the people of God. I don't want to be counted with the disobedient. I want to be counted with the obedient. Please, would you come speak to me afterwards or someone at the prayer area? We'd love to walk with you. Even if you just, on the beginning of that conversation, that's fine. We want to talk with you and help you. Father, bless those people. I pray provoke people each week that they would come from darkness to light and help us to step more and more into the glories of your light. In Jesus' name.